So uh, welcome to another Forensic Happy Hour. Uh, obviously, you know, there could be some video problems. There could be some sound problems. That's that's kind of typical uh, if you guys actually watch this. But uh, we have Lee Whitfield today, so it should be a, a, a fantastic conversation. Uh, I don't know, about anything, maybe nothing, maybe something. So it'll be good. So make sure uh, that you not only, you know, subscribe to this, watch it, replay it, send it to your friends your family, everyone else, um, so that we can continue to grow this. Uh, so so without uh, further ado, we'll bring it on here uh, with the famous, famous, the, well, the famous Lee Whitfield. So um, I do appreciate you coming on. I think it's, uh, and, you know, I remember, and this was, and you can tell me how long ago, ago it was, I think the first time that I, that I met you in the U.K., you were for Dis Labs, I, I believe, something along those lines that, that we had. I, I don't know if it's at F3 or what. It was something, uh, I don't We ran into each other at that time. So the other times, obviously, um, uh, you moving over over to this piece of land and uh, and then obviously some fantastic things that, that you have done or continue to do. So, so first, I want to say cheers to you. Let me do this. Fantastic. Thank you. And so... Let's start it out this way, is that tell everyone, I mean, you don't have to, everyone knows knows you. Who's who's Lee Whitfield? Um, wow, deep philosoph philosophical question to start with. Um, start out hard. <laughs> um, I, well, I mean, I, right now I work for SANS, um, helping them to develop classes and all that kind of stuff. Um, I also teach for SANS, which I just got finished teaching a class uh, today, actually, to a bunch of teenagers in the UK. And I also have my own, well, in all the free time I have, I also have my own forensics consultancy company that I run. Uh, prior to that, um, well, I mean, I, I live in Texas and lived here for about nine years. Um, before moving here, lived in England. Worked for Disc Labs um, for about a year and a half. Before that, worked for a company called Zentech. Before that, worked for a company called Cyphor. Uh, and cut my teeth doing uh, forensics when probably about, oh, well, yeah, probably 90, 95% of the cases that I worked on at the time back in the UK were law enforcement cases. And, um, yeah. That's. I mean, was it was? I mean, when you were working and starting out doing the forensic stuff, was it uh, like on zip drives and something stuff like that? <laughs> no, no, no. I've not been doing it for that long. I mean, come on. Um, <laughs> no, no. So no, I can say I know that I did. You know, come on. No, no. no. So little zip drives. You got those little. I mean, the floppy drive things. I think. I, I think I got a zip drive, uh, some zip cassette whatever you want to call them discs yeah right uh, i think i got them once for a case and we had to go and buy something to read them because we didn't have anything available exactly. to read so yeah, yeah that was only a few years ago even oh, but okay. uh no i mean whenever i, I didn't start so I, I started university when i was 24 years old so i didn't actually start my first job in forensics until i was 27 so i was quite a late uh, comer to the field at that time and started my first job before I'd even graduated from university. So that was pretty cool. Um, 
Yeah, so it's funny you say that, you know, you were a late bloomer, 24, 27. Why? It's, it's because there's like 12-year-olds and 15-year-olds uh, that you see that are doing, for, actually starting, right? And I mean, I'm not being, yeah. I, uh, truthfully, right? I mean, there's, there's kids that are writing code and, you know, they have all these different groups. I think there's a lot of opportunity. But quite honestly, people who are going to university now into, say, the forensic field, you know, if they start university 17, 18, 19, or how, you know, they probably had something before that. Would you agree? Yeah, I mean, absolutely. So, I mean, the the university that I went to, it was, they were one of the first universities in the world to offer a forensics degree. And so I got on that, um, and it, it, while it was forensics-ish, there was like one class that was forensics based. Everything else was like about law or coding or network management or something like that. And so it was it wasn't hugely in depth forensics. Um, but yeah, I mean, right now you can't swing, you can't throw a stick or a stone without hitting a forensics degree somewhere. So right, the, the really cool. Like I mentioned, I was teaching that class, and I just wrapped it up today. So I, I just spent two weeks teaching this class to a bunch of kids. Back in the UK, I call them, I say kids, it's not really fair, teenagers in the UK. And like, I'm scared because I, I think that, you know, in five or six years that I'm going to be a dinosaur in this field and I'm not going to have a job anymore because th these guys just are phenomenal. Like, we, we always close our class with like this big forensics challenge thing and they just nailed it. Like, every single thing we, you would expect them to find, they found and... You know, you don't even get that in a lot of the classes where you're teaching adults sometimes. Well, see, that's a problem, right? You need to teach for good because, you know, you have these kids that are so extremely, extremely smart um, and advanced, I think, just because they've been into the zeros and ones their whole life, right? And so, so, so a question on that that I just thought of is how do you go in and train or teach these young kids because they're like sponges, right? How do you teach them to be good? You know, as in use your powers for good. Uh, you know, this is a field that there's a lot of things, you know, that, that, that you can ways that you can go with your life. Yeah. Um, Another hard question. No, no, no. I mean, it's you got to frame things the right way. Right. I mean, it's you can't just give them information because they'll go and do whatever they can with that information. It's it's framing it right. It's. You know, one of the things I try to do a lot of whenever I talk to kids who are interested in the field or anyone really is, look, these are my experiences. You're going to have different experiences, but here's what happens whenever things go well for you. And here's what happens whenever things go bad. And if you can show them that there's going to be both good and positive consequences to things, then hopefully they'll they'll choose the right ones. But, I mean, everyone's going to have their own idea about what they want to do in life. And you look at this um, at this kid who, I mean, he was a kid, who did all this stuff with Twitter in the last couple of weeks. Right. 17. Yeah. I mean, and whenever the news came out about who it was who, who'd done all this, my first response that I was saying to my wife was like, look, either this guy is going to be in jail for a few years or he's going to be working for a big company uh, within a few months. <laughs> You're exactly right. I mean, You're exactly and, right. And that's how it goes. Yeah. But the thing is, is that 
I don't really know if we should be rewarding good behavior like that, but it, it's difficult to say. Right? I mean, you look at people like Kevin Mitnick, who they they became famous by doing bad things, and then they right. then they changed and started to use their knowledge for good. And he's typically now is it is he white or gray? I mean, uh, he he he's a lighter <laughs> shade of gray. Let's say. <laughs> right, okay. Okay. Right. So. Got it. Got it. Just not. Quite but sure. with. And if all you guys, it, yeah, it, it's you know white hat gray hat. Yeah. Just, you know, point that out. Whatever you want. <laughs> so perfect. But um. Yeah. So, with, with... so one of the things too is is again on that with the with the kids and, the, and that you're training and you're and you're and you're doing that. What type? I mean. What are you training them on? Um, I mean, is it is is it the type, a general type of the forensics? I mean, what is it that you're training? And then the second, on top of that, the question is, what are these students kind of gravitating to? I mean, what do they go, oh my gosh, tell me more about that. So, so it's an interesting program that they actually have back in the UK where they identify kids who have like a gift for, for technology and stuff like that then they enter them into like this government-run program and then they partner with sans to get these classes for them so they'll skip from kind of like class to class to class for a while so just like I, they were in the class that i primarily teach which is a windows forensics class this week but like in a few weeks they might be moving on to like some kind of intrusion um type classes or um maybe some red teaming or you know pen testing or, or whatever else they, they they may well be involved in those classes and it's kind of up to them to decide which career track they gravitate towards at that point but yeah i mean they, they could i mean they don't necessarily learn bad stuff in the forensics class but in stuff like pen testing they're going to learn things which are <laughs> it's like seriously i yeah, know pretty damn dangerous you know so right exactly it's just, yeah, yeah again it's just kind of about framing the narrative here and be like look if you want a successful career then th this is yeah, what so, you want to so, abide by so so completely off topic i just thought of it which is kind of what i do is that you, you mentioned obviously the uk um i mean would it be nurturing these groups because I know of a certain agency that does the same thing, but so in the UK, they're finding, how are they, are they testing these kids and then, then forming or moving them into a direction based on an aptitude test? Or I, do you know anything about that? Yeah, I think there's a couple of things that they do. So one is that they, they work with the schools closely to identify um, people who would be good for the program. The other thing they do is that they put out these, um, these challenges, like, couple of times a year and then the people who uh fulfill those challenges also get their names put into the program too so mm -hmm. it's it's pretty interesting right yeah no no it is i mean bringing the kids and again it's it's i think that's pretty important right it's it's thinking about or not putting the human perspective on forensic side of it but you know learning forensics you want to go and build up the foundation right you want to build up the foundation to uh, this is how you do it so that you can build upon that. And then, hey, here's the tools. Now, on the human type of uh, is a side of obviously taking a young individual, much younger than us, but building and instilling them these building blocks so they can obviously have that solid foundation rather than saying, yeah, hey, here's the tool and just go. 
Is that about, I mean, kind of what they're trying to do? Because honestly, you know, and I'm not calling, I'm not calling us old, but I know that a lot of the training that we would go to is pretty much, uh, yeah, here you go. Here's a tool and just push this. And it just, just has, just happens. So I think that people have found, and again, this is my opinion, have found out that that kind of doesn't work. Whereas now you can go and you can bring these people up into and understand the fundamentals of, you know, of the forensics or of, you know, uh, the digital side, incident response type of stuff. Does that, I mean, does that sound about right? Yeah, I mean, and that's one thing that you're going to find regardless of the age of the people. Because, I mean, you've probably seen the same thing, right? There's always people who even get into their 40s and 50s who are saying, look, I, I, I've always thought about getting into forensics, but I don't really know how to do it or, or whatever else. And so, yeah, I mean, I, I see... I've even just seen this today on Reddit even where people are like, okay, yeah, look, you can try and, and take this class and do this exam and whatever else. And it's like, well, that particular class I already know is going to teach you how to use this piece of software and that's right. it. Yeah. And right. you might get a certification from it, but I tell you that if, if your resume comes to me and I look at it and I say, oh yeah, you've got this certification, but this person has, um, this certification, I might be tempted to look at the other one instead because I know it's going to be more well-rounded and not tool-specific. But right. I mean, right. I think it goes deeper than that. I mean, you, you got to have, you, you got to try and instill a passion for this kind of thing, because yeah, I mean, friends. Yeah. yeah, I think that's the biggest thing, right? Oh, I mean, I, I've seen people get burned out very quickly in this field because they jump in and they're like, hey, let's go. And then after they spend the first six weeks away from home on an incident response job, they're like, man, this kind of sucks after all. Um, right. Or, you know, I mean, it, it, it's tough, right? I mean, yeah. I, I try to think of a way to, to, to kind of phrase this, but you, you, you need to find that balance. Like, yes, absolutely instilling them that desire to go and do the work. But also kind of also rein it in a little bit and be like, look, just so you know, these are the things you're going to have going to experience. Now, there's upsides and downsides to every field that you're ever going to work in. But I'll tell you up front, this is what's good about this. This is what's bad about it. And right. Yeah. So so if you look at it, if you, I mean, what are I mean, I'm, I'm sure there's numerous, uh, you know, one, two, three, four, five. So what are so what are, say, the top three with people starting out into doing digital forensics or, you know, incident response? Well, I mean, wh what are the top three things that they need to do to get into the industry, you know, foundationally to go in and they want to do this for the rest of their life? I mean, what what advice do you have? Um, well, I mean. Acquire knowledge, first of all, uh, because I, I'll tell you that I've seen th this growing trend where people want everything kind of given to them. And it's like, look, I, I I want to do forensics. This is my dream. How do I, you know, I, I, I want you to hire me. Well, you, that's fine, but you don't even know how to... If I asked you to do something basic on a computer, you don't know how to do it. You know, um, knowledge is always going to be number one. Um, 
but it's not just about the knowledge it's also the practical side of it too it's like one of the things like every interview that i've ever conducted i've had a computer in the room and i've just slid the computer over to them and said okay show me what you would do to remove the hard drive point i know hey create a folder on the desktop <laughs> Um, that gets them out pretty quick. Yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah. Show me where the Windows folder is. You know, <laughs> right. uh, you know, things like this. It, it's honestly, I'm being serious. I mean, there's been people in training that you're like, okay, hey, for the first thing we needed to, because we're gonna move it, we're gonna take the evidence that we're gonna use for the for the for the course, and we're gonna put it onto our desktop just so we have access to it. So everyone, right click on the on the desktop and create a folder called evidence. Yep. Uh, how, huh? So honestly, so again, it comes down to the basics, right? And I think that that's, that's with a lot of, Hey, let's start here instead of, because I think that, you know, again, my personal opinion is that training originally, and it has changed as it was kind of like a, by a fire hose, right? Because one that you're in the industry, you just better know, you better know, or you know what here, I'm going to give you this, 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 and you better figure it out versus if you look at the university or the different programs or starting someone here and building them up to where you want them to be, you know, obviously that's, that's different, I think, as in the training side of it. Yeah. And I think that the other thing which makes this field especially so uh, unique and the way in which you need to kind of get involved is like there's a huge social media type of presence for it. So, like, you, you can get on Twitter and you can follow, like, you know, top people in the field and interact with them, ask them questions, and more than often they'll respond to you, right? I mean, there's that and there's all – in the last few months, you know, the number of different forensics YouTube shows and stuff which have shown up yeah. is exploded. And so people can go and – if. Like if you can show that you have a continuing interest in this stuff, and it's not just a pipe dream, then people will take you seriously, and and they they will feel like yeah, this person wants to learn, they want to grow, so let let's let's bring them on. So let's let's uh, now I'm now I'm going to go on. You, you completely let it, and I didn't tell you what to say on that. Is is the whole um, obviously because of the the situation that everyone's in, right? <laughs> um, is that is is everything's kind of gone online right so you have social media versus you know how virtual stuff and you have virtual conferences and so i mean your opinion on i'll give you my opinion on say uh the summit right mm -hmm. uh the dfir summit that, that that was there you know i mean quite honestly and i'm just going to give you my opinion first because i'm th i'm thinking about it and i'll forget is that the number of people was unbelievable right the interaction of people was unbelievable. And then I think that the feeling of, oh, sh this was kind of worth it, uh, is unbelievable versus having something live. Now, is that a detriment to having it live? And I've talked about several, with several other guests about, okay, let's do kind of the hybrid approach. Let's do these thing, this type of virtual. This, And honestly, I think that that's the way it's going to move. But you're exactly right because on the social media side of it, I think that people want to be more accessible is it because they're craving attention is it because i want to make sure that i can reach out to that and i hope it continues because 
you know, I, I think that it's one of those ways that people are finding out that people are human and they're actually real people. Yeah. So I think there's a, a couple of pieces to that. Is it once? So, so we, we talk about the summit. So once we saw how many people, I mean, if we had 21,000 people or something register for that event in the end, which is astonishing. Now, I don't know how many people exactly showed up for it. I think it's just because of you. <laughs> oh, mm-hmm, yeah. Um, but I think that there's, I mean, f- at some point we had like, I think 7,000 people sitting in a, in like one talk or something like that. It's just astonishing. And I think that Sans has realized now that even if they do go back, when well, they will, to in-person events, that maybe doing both in-person and online probably is going to be an, the right approach from this point forward now i can't say for sure i mean i don't speak for sense i work for them but it's you know whatever um but i suspect that's right. that's how it's going to work out but uh, and as much as i like like the online type of thing i still crave the in-person stuff because like there's just people who I look forward to seeing and I only will see them at certain events throughout the year. And it's, I think that there's only so much you can do online, um, to generate relationships and, and to, you know, uh, talk to people who uh, are in the field. Would you agree though, is that, I mean, you have people and uh, uh, Brian, uh, Right. He, I mean, he brought this up. The same thing is that because he and I are kind of introverts in some of those things. And, you know, I'm sure exactly. It's funny. I as completely tongue in cheek just for him. But here's the thing is that now you're catering to two people, right? Or two different groups of people that you have that are. And, and he brought this up is that you know, they're, they're the people in the back of the room. They're like, oh, my gosh, I really need to answer this. I, I, I'd love to. I, I have to ask this. I really, really do. But they won't. You know, and then, hey, I'm not going to go and ask the instructor after it because it's too long of line. I don't want to stand up. I'm embarrassed. Whereas now you take this approach to it and have the hybrid. I mean, now you're taking all of these and allowing these people to participate that wouldn't have participated in person. They might have been there in the seat, but they, they wouldn't participate in the, in the talk. Then you obviously have those people who want to be there. They enjoy the company. They enjoy the human interaction. They enjoy to talk to people. They enjoy the bar scene, whatever it has. But I mean, so so I think that Honestly, I think that that's the route that it will, I mean, and it will be, I mean, if you can use that Uber successful, I mean, it'll be craziness, I think, um, just just allowing to have the opportunity to do that. Um, now, obviously, the costs are different because now you're going to pay for the online service, but I think it will pay dividends. Yeah, and, and don't get me wrong. I mean, the whole in-person thing is entirely selfish on my part. Um <laughs> So I, I I want to be there. I I enjoy going and being there with people, but I mean it it did change a lot of the dynamic about how forensics uh, or forensic conferences and stuff can actually be run now. I think that there was this. I mean, I, I, to be honest, I never really understood it the, the mentality, right? Because people who work from home and have worked from home for for years doing this kinds of thing now. So why would we just limit it to to in person? Um, but yeah, I mean, anyone who is remotely introverted or is new to the field, or even just has some kind of passing interest, 
actually getting on a plane or in the car and getting to Austin was probably a massive task, expensive task on its own. Agreed. So Agreed. people, I mean, it just, it opens, you know, it kind of, well, it obliterates that barrier to entry for many people to attend. So that's always a silver lining, right? Is that some bad stuff, right? That we're kind of going through and all kinds of different fronts on that. But I think that the community itself, and that's what really, I mean, honestly, the theme of every one of my conversations has been community because I think that the one, the community has kind of grown. Um, I don't, I don't want to say grown as in a number of people, but has grown maybe closer as in offering different services, offering help, doing these things, you know, kind of having conversations with people that allow them to one either is receive some sort of information free, have access to other areas, have the opportunity to be on, you know, the, the discord to the reddits, do any type of these listservs on that. So again, look for the positives, not necessarily the negatives on that, because quite honestly, the forensic side of it has, has, as in workload, it's gotten crazy, I think, just because of the online presence and whether it be, you know, intrusions in corporate side of it or the, the you know, in law enforcement, all of the, you know, the different types of stuff in the forensic, it, that hasn't stopped, right? So I think the opportunity for people who are just getting into the industry or just trying to figure out, is this the right thing for me to do? It's an unbelievable time for people to take advantage of some of these some of these opportunities. Well, uh, it's interesting you you say that cuz when I gave my talk at the summit, I even said like this is the field that where everything goes right, okay? Because as the world goes to hell, um <laughs> there's more work for us to do. Like we we I mean forensics professionals and for a large part have never been in such a a better position as they are right now. You know, work from home, do all these intrusion investigations. People are losing jobs, they're turning more to maybe more illicit activities that we need to investigate. And so I, I think everyone sees an uptick in work right now. But um, at the same time, you know, there's a, there's an uptick in interest. I think that's probably why we had so many people sign up for for the summit originally. Right. Well, it was free, right? And obviously, it's from a it's a great organization, and people are like, hey, I actually can go to this, and just, just like you said, I don't have to fly to it, don't have to pay to it, and I can have all the great and the interaction that uh, you know that you would maybe have in person. Obviously, not that human contact, but actually the training that you're able to go to it. And the the thing is that you can like, oh, dude, I can go to every class. Right. You can replay it. You can do all this other stuff. You can have all this other uh, types of items on it. So um, before I go on to the next one, because I don't want to move. So I always ask this. Um, so in your forensic experience, your the stuff that you've done, what can you give to someone uh, that's doing, say, an exam? Um, it doesn't matter you know, what medium, whether it be networks, computers, phones, whatever. What is an artifact that you would say to someone Dude, you got to look at this every time. Ah, all right. Well, so I mean, the, the, so so based on the type of cases that I do, right? Um, most of the cases that I do are going to be some kind of intellectual property theft or something like that, where you know, same old story. Guy works at company. Guy leaves company. Guy takes a bunch of stuff with him. Um, I mean, 
the first thing that I always do in these cases is that I'll run a very, very quick report, even before I've even imaged the hard drive, just to look at the link files, just to say, and then just quickly load in that report into Excel, sort to see what was done with external store, like USB storage, and Im almost immediately every time I get something interesting to report back. And whenever I do that, I usually, if I do that within like 10 minutes of looking at the drive, the lawyer's like, this is amazing. Thank you very much for this. Um, <laughs> you are a superstar. Yeah, like, that, that it just like makes them happy. Superstar. But I mean, so, but my, so that's the one that I, that always pays. Um, but the one which I enjoy looking at the most is the SRUM. So the system resource usage monitor. And that one where, you know, if you ever wondered if Microsoft is spying on you, that should pretty much guarantee the answer to that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's just like Google. Every time you look at stuff, you're like, really? I need to just quit even. I need to break the chain of everything. But then you know what? It, everything just sucks uh, because you're so, you're just so, I mean, conditioned right now, conditioned on all of those other things. And you kind of just like, yeah, I just gave up on all of those other stuff. So I like that one. That's a, that's a very, very good one to freak you, freak everyone out. So make sure that you're looking at that. So tell me about your DFIR for good stuff, because I mean, in going through that and, in talking about it, I think that one, like we've been talking about kind of the perfect time type of thing of it. So, so, so give me, you know, give me your, this is why it's so bitching type of thing. Um, well, we kind of covered some of this already because, like I said, as things go bad, our field kind of goes up and increases in, uh, you know, in everything. So most people in the field, uh, I would imagine by this point, are paid well. They're pretty comfortable. Um, you know, er Everyone has got pretty much everything they probably ever wanted out of out of their career, especially when you get to like our ages, right? And um, thank you for bringing that up. Again. Yeah, yeah, I've done yeah, it several yeah. Times. Oh, well, it's just a bit of revenge, really. Um, <laughs> I think you might be a little bit older, even. So <laughs> I uh, think so. <laughs> even better. I'll make sure you come back. <laughs> so, um, I mean, for me personally, right? I. I I I've worked several years in England. I've been able to come to the States and work several years over here. I I live in a good area. I've been able to raise my children and and just basically have, you know, the life that I want. But looking around, I see that's not the case for everyone. And there are travesties of justice. Uh, all the time and and you, you, you know i was just reading something else just today um about how someone was uh sent to prison for something they that they didn't do based on some evidence which was um not what's the word i'm looking for uh it's not misdiagnosed but you know it the evidence was used for something it shouldn't have been used for and so Represented. Yeah, misrepresented, yeah. And so those things really, uh, they have a couple of effects on me. They make me very angry uh, when I hear about them. And then they make me feel ashamed because it's like, well, 
people who do this we need as a community to to say no look this isn't right um but then at the same time a lot of these people they can't even afford their own attorneys never mind their own forensic examiner and so if they get assigned a public defender i don't i mean i can't say for sure but I, I know there are several who are just like, okay, this is just another case. I need to get it over with. We'll have them plead to something, and then we'll we'll just move on with uh, with the next thing, which is is not right. Um, if but if we're willing to get out there and do something to help, you know, offer pro bono work. Or even just offer, just yeah, I can look at this quickly and give you some idea about whether it's worthwhile investing in someone taking a, a closer look at this data. Just anything like that is going to go an extremely long way because people's lives are actually being ruined by this kind of thing. Um, and I always go back to to the same example, like right? Julia Mero, uh, because of one thing that somebody testified to in court, which was not factually accurate, she had several years of battling in court um and then even after that she had to plead to a, a a lesser thing in order for the for the whole issue to go away and even now she she's not allowed to to do the thing which she loved to do anymore which was teaching because of some silly thing which someone said in court one time so we just need to be prepared to help we're well, not just prepared but probably go actively looking for these situations so to get serious on that um because i 100 percent agree with you um but but think of it is what do you what do you say i mean how do you go in and talk to because always you know obviously there's a um a, a law enforcement versus defense uh type of thing is that you know what if you do that you're such a dick uh, to try, so I mean, what what can you tell the people that say are either law enforcement or ex law enforcement that are doing the forensic stuff in the community now to help them get over that? It is a tough one because I, I, I've I've seen that too. You know, I mean, there's certain groups that uh, I know as a forensic investigator I can't be a member of because I've done defense work, and but the thing is, is that there's a few things, right? And it, we're not going to solve this in in a very quick. Come on, in come a very on. quick we'll, conversation. We can still do this because, although I'd need other beers, yeah. but yeah. But <laughs> it, there is. I mean, there is that that stigma attached to people who work on defense, and I've never really understood it because we we live in a society where we have the adversarial um, legal system and everyone is entitled to whatever defense they can have. Now, if we didn't have that, I mean, people, we, I mean, we'd have even more people going to prison for, for crimes they hadn't committed. And, you know, if people want to say, well, such and such doesn't deserve to be defended, we're making a... A snap judgment on that person or maybe a well-informed judgment it doesn't matter but the fact is they're entitled to it and it i think that there's also fear 
involved that maybe we didn't do our job correctly. What if he, what if he pokes a hole in something that we've proven to be uh, or, or that we think is solid and it means that this person who we believe is guilty goes free? Well, I mean, that's this is going to sound really heartless, but it's not my fault. If if I get defense work to do and you haven't done your job correctly, then I'm going to point that out. But I'm going to point that out if I'm on the you know, I worked on the prosecution for five years in England and I did the same thing to, to defense investigators. Uh, I've you know, I, I do the same every day whenever I do civil cases. It's just what it is. You know, it's it's my job, and it's their job. Right. They wouldn't have any right. qualms whatsoever about sticking me in a hole, and so I. Yeah. I, I, and I, it's not like we do it on purpose, right? It's just that yeah. we're paid to do the best possible job that we can for our clients. And well, I think that I think the biggest thing is that people need to understand you can't replicate evidence, right? I mean, you can't go and say I made this up. I can't go and say. I mean, the data should speak for itself. I think the problem comes down to is those the data is there, but eh, it's not represented within, say, the report or discovery or anything else, simply because it makes one side look worse than the other, right? So, so obviously, data is data, and I am 100% onto that because you know you have to think at, the thing people have to think about if if you're the law enforcement investigator, wouldn't you want to have someone who is representing you if you did something incorrectly do the best that they can do and examine the data that the way that you want them to do because it's not that they're going to add the information it's just that they're going to be and they're able to understand it and to present that information not that they're going to skew it right because you know the narrative there's no narrative in data in my opinion right the data says this whether it be hey you clicked on this you did this you know you, the, it's the data is the data is going to tell the story, but you have to allow it to tell the story. And I don't think that you can skew the story. Um, but a lot of times I think too, on, you know, the presentation of the data is that people completely dismiss it from say this person had that because, and then we don't represent those people because maybe they can't afford to have someone who can do that. And that's why I think it's super important what you're talking about is that by allowing people and giving them the representation of experts by not having to say, I have to pay $300 an hour to have someone do it. That's the way I look at it, right? I mean, everyone should have the equal opportunity of representation where someone has gone to school, university, all this different type of training, and they're the super uber person who knows everything about uh, forensics. I think that everyone should have that opportunity for someone to do that, whether you're... Um, you know, you're on the prosecution side. We're on the defense side. Again, that's my opinion. No, and and this is the thing is that you pose questions like this to people that there is there's no argument because you just can't argue that point. And I'm I'm very sympathetic, right? Extremely sympathetic to law enforcement because they have a very very tough tough job. Like I said, I did that for five years, and I know what it looks like. It it looks like hey look. Here's a pile of cases to get through by next week. And so this is what you do. You have a set process where you go in. Like so like child pornography investigations were like a big piece of what I worked on. It was like, here's a computer, extract all the pictures, categorize them, and have a get a general idea about where they came from, submit the report. 
next exact same thing over and over again like they have a very limited time to work on these things and it may be that we just don't uh, well i say we they whoever um doesn't have the, the time to properly investigate those things whereas people working on the defense usually they're getting paid um hourly to you know to to do all this work and so they can afford to sit down and actually spend the time picking things apart which they probably weren't able to do so like i said i'm not unsympathetic but it's 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 not a reasonable expectation to think that once the police work is done that that's it it's not it's just not the case one of the other cases that i spoke about in my um in my talk was this guy in New York whose ex-girlfriend had accused him of beating her up. Uh, he said, I wasn't anywhere near the, the place at the time that she said this, but he got arrested uh, and he was charged and he had a pending court date, which without any evidence whatsoever, he could have gone to prison, which right. I don't know how that happens. That, that shouldn't be happening in our system. But it does. And he had to eventually prove himself to be innocent, which just is nuts to me. Which is opposite. Yeah. Opposite of the other. So he had to get his phone analyzed to show that he was several miles away at the time that she said this happened. So I just don't understand why people have to prove their innocence when we have, you know, that whole innocent to proven guilty motto. Right. So what can people do? to help out obviously there's a hashtag i mean how how can people go and get it get involved yeah don't just use the hashtag first of all right <laughs> i went on the rant this this week on facebook because of people using that hashtag and human trafficking i'm like that's fine but, <laughs> right but what on earth effect are you having on the situation by posting that nothing you have, you know, oh, well, we're bringing light to it. No, you're not. People know about this. They have done for years. You aren't doing anything. So do something. I mean, if you work for a company, uh, a lot of companies will have something where you can set aside so many hours a year to do charitable work or so many days. Now, they're going to regulate that, obviously, because they don't want you to have interests which are opposed to their own. Mm -hmm. But um, see if they, if they will allow you to do some pro bono work. Um, but, I mean, I think the thing which you can do the most is go and talk to some of these people. Find some uh, criminal defense attorneys um, or definitely criminal defense and public defenders. Um, it could just be any lawyers around and just say, look, this I'm looking for opportunities to help. Um, what? Where are you lacking? What can we help with? And just go from there. Just see what it is that their needs are, and and help them to, and work with them to find a way through it. Yeah. No, I think again, it's uh, fantastic, fantastic information for people. And again, it comes down to community, right? I, I again, I look at kind of the silver lining out of all this and the situation that we're in. And you know, hopefully, you know, when we do and everyone pulls out of this, we continue to have the conversation that just doesn't drop off or obviously opportunity so that people continue to do things for one another, continue to go and help people, you know? So, so that's, you know, that's my message, right? Just to make sure that 
hey, everyone's, it's, this is going to be over. Eventually, it's going to be over. All this crazy stuff, the world's still going to be crazy. I can promise you that. But I'm saying, you know, obviously, be, people have to stay in their basements, my basement bar. And, you know, trying to, 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 to get through this, my, my hope is that it continues, right? We still have this conversation because then I can't drink beer on Fridays. But, you know, so we can keep on doing this. We can keep having our conversations. That's, that's my hope, right? So, you know, I, I want to say thank you. And uh, so here's the thing, though. You can say that this has been the longest talk, and I actually finished my beer. Typically, when I'm done, the conversation's done. But we kept talking. So we can say that uh, it was, again, fantastic. And I do 100% appreciate your time. So hopefully everyone's going to listen to this in its entirety. If not, they better. Uh, because there's some great stuff. I mean, I thank you for everything you do for the community. A lot of people go and obviously, uh, you know, either follow you or, you know, you're, you're a good soul. So I do appreciate on everything that you've done and, and continue, continue to do for the community. So cool. Well, thank you. I appreciate it. Same goes to you oh too. Oh my gosh. I appreciate it. And I will make sure that we, cause we have to continue the conversation. There's a lot of stuff to go. Mm-hmm. So again, until next time. Thank you. Wow. So I can tell you, we went through a lot of stuff. Um, I mean, especially at the end, talking about all of the different type of things to make this world a better place, I guess. Um, Because there is a silver lining, people, I promise you. So one thing, make sure, get trained. Uh, You know, go through your training stuff. Uh, You know, start out. If you're going to start out in, you know, whatever you're doing in uh, the DFR stuff, you know, start with the basics you know it's there's so many classes out there there's free classes out there try to get kind of a foundation on it and then kind of pick the pick the path but make sure your path is uh obviously for good so always always looking to make everything better so thank you guys uh remember you can go in and you can watch this if you don't want to see our faces which is typically what people don't want to do you can listen to on different podcasts or any podcast that you have on your phone and then you just have to listen to us so I appreciate everyone's time. Uh, next week, we'll be back again. So look uh, Monday, Tuesday uh, to see who that guest will be. It's always a surprise for me, just like you. So again, thank you guys. Mm-hmm.